Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about Season 7, Episode 3 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Age of Innocence. And I have a new second favorite heretic, and it's not Valerie. It's Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had a new second favorite heretic. Yeah, he, he was short-lived, but man, did he love to party. He did. There's a lot to talk about this week. The good, the bad and the awful. And apologies to the listeners. I do have a sore throat this week, but you'll be able to hear me just fine, we hope. No sore throat is going to keep us away from the Vampire Diaries, even fucking season seven. A sore throat won't stop me from chit-chatting. But before we get into the chit-chatting, here's a quick ad. As always, I'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. In the aftermath of a clever plan orchestrated by Lily, Damon sets off on a road trip with Bonnie and Alaric in search of leverage they can use against his mother. Meanwhile, Caroline, who is being held hostage by the heretics, learns some shocking information about Valerie's past, while Stefan learns a few unexpected details about his own past from <laughs> Lily. Alaric turns to Bonnie for her help after coming clean about a secret he's been keeping. They kept it for a day. Yeah, also, he didn't come clean. He got exposed. Yeah, he got caught. <laughs> yeah. We open the episode with a jump forward three years from now. It looks like a big city, maybe New York. It, it definitely looks New York to me because the taxis. And there's a car driving and it's Tyler. And I will say, as I've been watching season seven, I did lead you to believe that Tyler was never going to be on the show again. Tyler does periodically pop up. Special guest star moments. Yes, but he's no longer a series regular. I should have made that clear. Sure. What's Tyler up to? Doesn't matter. He answers the phone from Stefan. But he's got a suit on, so he's he's busy with something. Who knows what he's doing? I guess, what do you think he's doing? Why not? Let's ask. You know what? I bet he's like, this is going to sound mean. I bet he's like an executive assistant. For what kind of company? Either like a venture capitalist or like something sports related somehow. Sure. I see that. I mean, maybe he has a bigger job, but you know, it's Tyler. Let's like... There are only so many jobs that would lead him to a suit. Or he's going to a funeral. Who knows? Yeah. Sports reporter is a good guess because it's like the kind of job that they love to give like people on TV shows. Even though has Tyler ever written a coherent thought, let alone had one? Yeah, it's just that he did sports. The other possibility that I just thought of, I wouldn't be shocked if they made him a politician of some sort, like running for city council or some shit. Because of his father. Yeah. And his mother. But I think they would do that more if he was like a series regular. I would not be surprised if they did make him the mayor of Mystic Falls if he was a series regular. That's what they were planning. And then he didn't want the contract. And they were like, wait, uh, I guess the heretics want to be mayor. Yeah, fuck. We have to evacuate the whole town now. <laughs> Stefan says, hey, Tyler, it's me, Stefan. Have you spoken to Caroline? He's like in an area with a bunch of storage containers. And Tyler says, no, I haven't spoken to Caroline. And please don't ask me to. I have no desire to get mixed up in your drama with her. Three years from now, they're having drama. Great. Just what I needed. Just what I needed. So so right now they can't kiss. And in three years from now, they choose not to kiss. Awesome. So, yeah. So I'm going to walk off a bridge, actually. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna drive my car off Wickery Bridge. <laughs> Stefan says, listen, my scar opened up. I don't have much time. I need you to warn Caroline she's not taking my calls. And Tyler says, okay, I'm on it, but you should be running. And Stefan's like, I know that. He said, I'm literally in the middle of it. He says, like, I'm way ahead of you. He says, take care of yourself, Tyler. And I will say, 
you know, since it's the area full of storage containers, we have to assume this is like right after he gets Damon. They get a like they maybe get away, or maybe right before he goes to Damon, before they get shot at. But we have to assume this is happening in rapid succession. I think that's a great thing to point out. Stefan opens the trunk of his car, his red Porsche that we know and love. He has a go bag, like a duffel bag. He also has weapons, passports, money. He takes the bag and he douses his car in gasoline. And then he takes another look at his trunk where there's a vampire diary in there. And upon second thought, he takes the vampire diary. And then he sets his entire car on fire and walks away as it explodes. So this, I'm guessing, is meant to make us think that Stefan is dating Valerie. It does seem to look like the diary that Valerie had kept. Yeah. But it could just be that he likes the look of this diary and it's just his current diary he's writing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're trying to make us think. I'm not saying I think that's true. Do you think that in three years, Stefan and Valerie are together? No, I think Valerie's dead in three years. I think any of these heretics, if they make it three more years, they'll be lucky. You don't think the heretics are making it to the time jump? No, no, not a one. Not looking good for them. I think we're going to be picking them off one by one. As we should. Because I'm a little tired of it. Um, except Nora, all love to her. All love to her, but like, uh, like Nora, I do want you to be the last one to go. But, but I, I do, do want, want you, to, you go. to go. We go to Whitmore in the present day. Bonnie is writing in her vampire diary. You know, not a vampire, but you get it. Yeah. She says, Dear Elena, not to dive into the bad news first, but there is a severe drought of good news lately, and also this concerns you. The thing is, Lily is hiding your coffin somewhere. Uh, we don't know where you were. The good news is she promised to keep you safe as long as Damon stays out of Mystic. And then all of a sudden she stops writing because her Phoenix Stone visions come back. They're screaming, people with scars. We know what they look like. And then she wakes up on the floor. Imagine you're Elena. You get halfway through the first journal and it's like, oh, we lost you. <laughs> I'd be like, excuse? And it's all bad news. And then we lost you. And then it's like, what? He's like, so what, where does this go after this? <laughs> when does this story get fun? Yeah. When do you guys have any positivity? Yeah. We go over to Alaric's apartment, where Alaric is looking at the not-destroyed Phoenix Stone and reading. Damon walks in in a towel. Woohoo. Hey, yo. <laughs> and he says, have you seen my phone? And Rick says, I've seen your empty bottles, your dinner, your razor. You know, clothes would be nice. Uh, yeah, Damon is a bad roommate. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, that's why he lives alone. No one wants to live with him. Yeah. Rick says, how long are you planning on crashing here, Damon? You know, you could, like, compel yourself a whole sorority house if you wanted. And Damon says, and miss this odd couple squalor. He's got a point. He's like, I like the comedy of it. He said, I want to stay with my bestie. And that's fair. He says, I'm starting to enjoy the luxury of having one barely functional showerhead after years of being tortured by the four I had in my actual home. I know Damon picked those showerheads carefully. I know, it's all vain showers, it's all top of the line. And I know that Alaric's apartment does not have a fancy shower. He's a simple man, he doesn't need a fancy shower head. Yeah. Damon says, relax, it's just till we hunt down Lily's lone wolf heretic and swap him out for my girlfriend in a coma. And Rick says, how long until that happens? <laughs> and Damon says, soon, thanks to Donovan, a phrase no one has uttered ever, uh, he's checking Lily's cell phone records. Good to have a cop hookup. Yeah, they needed one, and I guess Matt will work. He'll do, in a pinch. <laughs> Bonnie comes in, and she says, Hi, please tell me I'm not interrupting something, because Damon is half-naked. And Rick says, Trust me, you are not. What is up? 
And she says, so, you know, the Phoenix stone that I touched yesterday, you destroyed it like like you promised, correct? Uh, he hides it in his pocket because he just had it out and says, why? What happened? That's not a yes. Yeah, that that decidedly didn't answer the question. And that sounds like someone who who definitely didn't destroy it. Yeah, because did you destroy it? Why? What happened? So you have it and you're concerned that it's doing something now. Okay. Awesome. So Bonnie says, well, I had another vision. Flashes of horrified people with X-shaped wounds on their skin. And then when I opened my eyes, 10 minutes had gone by. And Rick says, well, (laughs) the stone is gone. You know, I watched it dissolve in hydrofluoric acid. He said, okay, that wasn't bad enough that I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He said, I think she can handle blacking out. I think she can suck that up. I black out every night. Anything for my wife. (laughs) Bonnie says, you're positive. And Rick says, Bonnie, the stone's gone. He lies. And Damon changes the subject because he knows Rick is lying and says, who wants to go to Myrtle Beach? They both say, no, pass. Damon says, well, neither do I. But too bad because Lily made a bunch of phone calls that bounced off cell towers there and something tells me she's not making plans for spring break. Bonnie says, why would Lily send a heretic to Myrtle Beach? And Damon says, you know what? Tell you what. Why don't you ask him yourself after he's safe in my car's trunk? Anyone up for a good old fashioned hostage swap? Rick says, does me agreeing to go mean you putting on pants? Uh, So what Damon does, he takes off his towel so they all have to look at him naked. And he says, I'll even give you a shotgun. Oleg doesn't because he throws the towel over Lurk's face. So Bonnie's like, oh, great, just me. So just me seeing your penis. Awesome. Awesome. We're really not that close. This is not the kind of friendship I want to have with you. We go over to the Salvatore house. Caroline is reading Stefan's old journal. Because what else is she going to do? Why not? It's right there. In it, Stefan has written, Valerie was like a fresh breath of air. I'd been suffocating and hadn't realized it. You need to take a step back, Caroline, and realize he's 16. 16 16-year-olds are writing bullshit like this for no fucking reason. She's just hot. This could have been very much about a girl he just saw walk by. Yes. for all intents and purposes, is kind of all this was. Yeah. Someone vampire runs in and, like, moves a music box around, and then eventually it explodes in Caroline's face, and Nora and Mary Louise giggle off screen. And that's all they do this episode. Caroline says, thanks, Nora and Mary Louise. Really classy. I hate you both. And then a phone on the ground rings. And it's like, who gave her a phone? I know. It's like, why are you letting the hostage have a phone? And she picks it up and just says, hello, even though she doesn't know the number. Why not? Like, Again, what else does she have to do? And Stefan says, wait, Caroline? Because Stefan is calling his phone from the grill. She says, Stefan? And he says, how are you on my phone right now? And she says, well, you must have dropped it when you got threshold vacuumed out of here yesterday. It just fell out of his pocket while he was getting sucked away. Yeah. He says, oh, well, this is a good opportunity to catch up, I guess. How are you? Are you okay? And she says, I'm spelled into your room by a menagerie of mean girls. But other than that, and he says, I'm still trying to figure out a way to get into the house. Like, I haven't forgotten about you, girl. (laughs) And she says, no, I'll be fine. Just keep Damon from killing any more heretics. And Stefan says, I will. Lily is keeping you there to turn me against Damon. I'm just going to convince her that I hate his guts and she'll have made her point. Which at the time, it's like, okay, is she that stupid? Turns out she is. Yeah. She's a soft target at the end of the day. She very much is. Caroline says, hey, I've got a question. Who's Valerie Toll? Thank you, girl, for saying it. So You know, you had to bring it up. She says, you know, you wrote about her in your journal in 1863. She must have found a copy in the prison world. And he says, are you talking about one of the heretics? And she says, yeah, dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, one of my new psycho housemates. 
Uh, now, Valerie hears this and she says, you do not get to ask him about me. <laughs> she said, no, this is my story to tell. I have more information about the story that makes it dramatic. Makes it more interesting than Stefan's story, which is essentially a nothing burger. Yeah, I hooked up with this girl when I was 16. And she never called me again. <laughs> and she left me sitting on a bench like a sad sack, much like my own relationship with my mother. And I'm sure those didn't affect me at all. Yeah. Valerie runs into the room and crushes the phone in Caroline's hand. And Stefan says, Caroline? And he says, well, that's over. He said, well, I guess we're done chatting. <laughs> Maybe I'll hear from her later. And Valerie says, dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, psycho, summarize me to a T. And then she like kicks Caroline and breaks her neck. Kind of serve. I'll give it to her. It's kind of serve. I mean, I, look, I don't know why you want to get mad that she described you as dirty blonde and psychotic. Like, at least she called you a blonde because I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't even I wouldn't say dirty blonde. I would say a straw hair. <laughs> I'm being rude. Listen, I'm a I'm gonna be a hater of Valerie. Yeah. It's if that much is clear, you all could have predicted it. Because it's just one more obstacle in the stair line path. Like, and I thought we were kind of done with it. And if there's gonna be an obstacle in the stair line path at this point, I would rather it be Klaus. Yeah. Well, if there's gonna be an obstacle in the stair line path, can it at least be someone interesting who like had a relationship with one of them. Like Catherine or Klaus are kind of the options here. Yeah. Why'd we need another random girl pre-Catherine? Because let's be honest, Catherine blew that bitch out of the water in a day. Yeah. Both in terms of love felt and trauma induced. Yeah. <laughs> like Valerie, all the love in the world to you, you got beat. You don't know it because you weren't there, but you got fucking, it was a shutout. Like you got bested. It was, it was not close. We go over to the grill where Stefan is hanging out. He hears, you know, a noise outside. So he goes outside and out back, Lily hits a car and breaks the bumper clean off. And she wasn't even going that fast. So it's actually kind of impressive. And she scoots the car up closer to Stefan's red car. And Stefan says, take my town, destroy my house, but you will not touch my car. I'm going to burn it in three years. Yeah. Lily says, good morning, Stefan. And he says, what are you doing? And she says, well, I was out practicing my driving and I saw an opportunity to work on my parallel parking. And then uh, her tire pops out of nowhere. <laughs> and she says, I must have run over a nail or something. The streets around here are a disgrace. Well, girl, you evacuated the entire town. There's no fucking public works department, queen. What did you think was going to happen? Stefan says, oh, you need to tell the spoiled brats who live in my house to stop torturing Caroline. And Lily says, oh, yeah, of course, as soon as you tell your brother to stop killing said spoiled brats. And Stefan says, well, Damon and I aren't really speaking right now. It's too fucking easy. Too easy. She says, really? She says, oh, amazing. Lily, I know you don't go fuck about your sons, even though we're going to turn that around today. Yeah. But, like, they're very close. <laughs> I would say it's suspect that she believes this, but actually it's not. Lily is just not the brightest bulb in the pack. She you know, just believes everyone falls at her feet because she has a huge group of people that do. I do think she's, like, manipulative, but I do truly think she does not think she's being manipulative. Yeah. I truly think it, this is just how she behaves. Yeah, I think she's just like, you have to do this for me. And they're like, I don't know if I want to. And she's like, oh, so you hate me and you're horrible and I'm going to kill you. And they're like, okay, I guess I'll do it then. They're like, I don't know if I want to. And she's like, oh, but but you have to. 
but but you're my family. Like, but that's what family does for each other. And they're all like, okay. Because these, all these siphons are from broken fucking families who all hate them. So she's like, no, in a good family, you do whatever I say. And they're like, I mean, I can't dispute that with any evidence. She's like, I am your mommy. You are orphans. We are family. Do what I want you to because that's family. They're like, logic checks out. They're like, beats the slaughterhouse. Stefan says, I have no idea where Damon is. Apparently, you did both of us a favor when you told him to leave town. I have a question. If you're not speaking, how do you know he left town? (laughs) But Lily doesn't ask that. (laughs) Lily says, I will give a lecture to the girls on their manners. And then Stefan says, actually, no, I have a question. Is one of those girls named Valerie Tull? And Lily's like, so you finally connected those dots, huh? Yeah, Lily says, I was wondering when you might put those pieces together. Yeah, I knew Valerie years before you did because she worked in my TB ward. After I turned, I took her under my wing. If memory serves, you didn't meet her until 1863. She is so ridiculous. So she has spent all this time being like, oh, save my family from this prison world. They're my family. They're my new family. She didn't want to be like, you actually know one of them. You might want to save her. You've actually met them. You each have met one. And so you know they're nice. And and let me tell you, those aren't necessarily the best ones to meet. So if you like them, wait for the good ones. I've got great news. I have lesbians also. <laughs> Interested in that? <laughs> Stefan says, how would you know that I met her? And she says, because, Stefan, I sent her to you. And again, I know that, like, this is probably something they added between season six and seven. But when these two were so upset that you never checked on them after your death, why weren't you like, no, I did check on you, just not personally? Yeah. Why is this just being revealed now? And I know it's because they probably didn't plan to do this and they wrote it in after. Well, we'll do the justification that maybe she wanted them to not know that she like sent someone instead of coming herself. Like maybe she thought that was worse than not coming at all. I don't know. I'll to support the writers a little. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept it. We go back to 1863 at the county fair. We see Valerie, and I'll give it to her. She looks served. I mean, she is eating in this outfit. I was ready to make fun of her. But she's wearing a beautiful, like, white ensemble, curled hair. She looks very stunning. Yeah. She came here to flirt today. She acts like she wasn't going to flirt with him. She said, how old is your son? She's like, and would you call him handsome? Because all she's got in her family right now is Julian and Oscar. Mama? Julian, evil, Oscar, he can't take anything seriously. Yeah. She needs she needs someone more broody for her little drama. Valerie sees Stefan on a bench. He is hunched over. He has shit to write in his diary today. And he's got his fucking flippy ass hair. So they know he's young. And he's got like a white suit on. So, you know, it's summer. Yeah. He's very much giving teen boy. And Valerie comes up to him and says, you have to move. What an opening. And he says, excuse me? And she says... Your sad mood is spoiling the fun for everyone. And then he laughs. Because he's like, I love when women are mean to me. And he said, surely there's nothing deeper about this (laughs) to investigate yet. She says, I'm Valerie Toll. And he says, I'm Stefan Salvatore. Are you new to town? And she says, I'm just passing through. And he says, well, I hope not too fast. Oh, it's going to be pretty fast. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be quick. We go over to the Salvatore house. Caroline has woken up after being, you know, neck snapped by... Valerie and Valerie is sitting there she has the journal and she says hey how do you have this and Caroline says oh well Nora gave it to me what's the deal with you and Stefan well we're asking questions 
And Valerie says, wouldn't you like to know? She says, yes, I would like to know. That's why I asked. (laughs) Caroline says, you know what? I'm already in enough pain. The last thing I need to think about is some girl who batted her eyelashes at Stefan like a million years ago. Classic reverse psychology. It's really too easy. Yeah. Well, I'm like, Valerie tries to be like, that's not what happened. I mean, it is. at, At the core, that's what it is. Valerie says, I wasn't just some girl to him, Caroline. I was the first love of Stefan's life. Number one, I mean, here's the thing. I get that this is a more poetic, clean, nice thing to say than I took his virginity, bitch. Because look, I'll get into this as we go through it. Yeah. First love is reaching, Valerie. Yeah. He's a 16-year-old boy in 1863. I think an appropriately curved tree could have gotten his virginity. Let's say that. Yeah, literally. And I, I get why they do this with Valerie. I get why they want us to have history with the heretics with our characters so that we can like be in with them more they did it you know the same thing with klaus and rebecca they all fucking know stefan stefan knows everyone in the world stefan is the, the social butterfly of the world but we spent so much time like digging into a very interesting relationship with Catherine and damon and stefan and when you see the relationship he had with Catherine, that's his first fucking love yeah that's who he would call his first love like I mean, they try to make it like, oh, he's thought about Valerie all this time. It really seems like he hasn't. Yeah. And why would he? Because as far as he knows, he had sex with a girl and then she never talked to him again. And he's like 165 or older at this point. He's had a lot of sex. Yeah. He's not thinking about his virginity in the same way. He's a whore. He's a common whore. He always (laughs) has been. Yeah. Like he's a slut. So he doesn't think about his virginity much. And I know Valerie was in the prison world for 100 years, so maybe she thinks about it more. Yeah, I'm sure it's a passing thought to him once in a while. But, like, look, if I had been hooking up with both Catherine Pierce and Elena Gilbert, like, sorry to the other bitches. I'm not thinking about him. I don't remember. And my best friend is Lexi Branson. And I hooked up with Rebecca Michelson and Caroline Forbes. Like, the roster's stacked. Sorry, Valerie. You're at the bottom. With each passing year, you get bumped down as another bad bitch enters the chat. Yeah. We go outside the grill. Stefan is now fixing Lily's tire. And he says, okay, follow-up question. Why did you send Valerie to me? Yeah, the more important question. Yeah, Lily says, to check on you. Like any mother longing for her children, I was in a black hole of depression. Well, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Well, that's new. I I thought you were loving your new family so fucking much. She says, yes, Stefan, I'm more than the cold-hearted snake you and your brother wish me to be. Since when? It's not a fucking wish. You've been telling them that you don't fuck with them for months. This is where I run into a problem with Lily because I do think the writers can't decide if they want her to be evil or not. Well, I think they were making her evil and then they decided they needed a different villain. And I think that's where Julian is coming in. So they had to make her sympathetic. But it's like you didn't give a fuck about your kids. And you're actually more interesting if you don't. Yeah, I do think that's a much more interesting thing to explore. Like, you're my sons, but I just don't have that relationship with you. And I don't really want it. But now all of a sudden she's like, no, I've always loved you guys. I've actually loved you guys this whole time. She's like, why did you think I didn't? And it's like, girl. uh Because you told me. You said straight up, I don't want to know you. And also, it's not better. I mean, it, it's it's not worse necessarily, but like, 
the two options here, you never thought about them and you hated them. The other option is you sent these to them randos to check on them one time. And then you said, that's enough. I'm never talking to them again. Because, you know, I know you went in the prison world, but that was 40 years after you sent these randos. Well, yeah. And and she took the randos assessments at their word when, hey, here's a, here's a thought. Make them invisique you. Also, you're dating another Giuseppe. So you got your own shit to fucking work through, girl. I feel like it's so much more. And again, I get why they do this. So we have existing relationships that we can work with. But it just feels like they walk back everything that made Lily interesting. Well, I think like at least the Oscar relationship with Damon, which we'll get to, like makes sense. Like you ran into this guy in the battlefield. Why'd she send a hot girl for Stefan? How was that going to be helpful? And honestly, I just feel as though clearly Oscar had a good chat with Damon that was very helpful. Oscar should have been the guy she sent both times. Yeah. He's clearly the most personable of these heretics. Yes. And it's not close. Or send Julian to talk to Stefan. Obviously, Julian is like combative (laughs) with Stefan immediately. He doesn't like the possibility that Lily could like her sons more than him. He's clearly insecure. So maybe that's why she didn't send him in. But it just feels like Valerie was not the person to send in. But I guess she only had so many people in the family at the time to choose from. It was kind of Oscar, Valerie, Julian. But I would like I would pick Julian over Valerie because you know Giuseppe's bad and you clearly think Julian's good even though that's obviously not the case again you don't have to have these conversations with them like just send someone to be like or to watch your grave like Stefan's in Mystic Falls just say hey go sit at the graveyard for like a couple days and see if he stops by yeah just follow him I just feel like she didn't really know what the goal here was and because again Lily's motivations are now becoming unclear she faked her death to leave these people. She'd never checked on them again. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, I did want to check on them. I didn't even want to go to Europe without checking on them. That was never a concern before. Yeah, and the whole I checked on them because I cared so much. But also then I was like, once is enough, even though I heard they died in the war. What? She's like, oh, I wanted to like make sure they were okay. And then the news she gets back from Valerie is like, yeah, Stefan's okay. And she's like, well, now I hate him. Yeah, Stefan actually doesn't give a fuck that you died. Which, even if that had any sense of truth in it, you think your 10-year-old son, who, by the way, your husband sent out of the house so you could be moved to a sanatorium, you think he's past it in six years. Well, also, you think your 10-year-old son with an abusive father and a brother who's at war, who is 16, you think he's healed from the death of his mother that was traumatizing? I don't think you need to check on him to know that he's not okay. And this is the other problem with sending in a stranger. Why would he be honest with them? And he says that himself. Of course, he's going to say to Valerie, like, yeah, it was a long time ago. He's trying to hit. He's not going to cry about his mommy. Or have a fucking another angel dream. Show up in his room in white. Are you okay? Are you okay, my son? Well, she's a vampire. She could just give him a dream. She doesn't even need to show up. That's true. That seems the easiest to me, but I'm not Lily. Anyway, Lily says, it took me a long time to get over losing you. Seems like even if you cared until 1863, it took her five years to get over losing them. It's not that long. I think if we're being generous, it took her seven years. Yeah. She says, anyway, 
I had been invited to travel to Europe with a vampire gentleman friend of mine, but I refused to leave until I knew my boys were okay. Stefan doesn't even touch that second part of it. He says, oh, you had a boyfriend. Lily says his name was Julian. She said, thank you so much for asking about him. And Stefan's like, well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say I did that. (laughs) She says, you're acting as if that's absurd that I would have a boyfriend. And he says, well, your first husband shot and killed his own sons. So you'll have to excuse me if I don't trust your type. And you know what? You're right. You appear to be right. Lily says Julian was nothing like your father. That's a lie. That remains to be seen. Even when she said that, I was like, I doubt that very much. Like, I don't trust you, girl. You met this guy within five years after you left Giuseppe. Yeah, I think you went back to some old patterns, Queen. Yeah, and that and happens to the best of us, Queen. Happens to all of us. That's not a drag on you. That's a drag on just the human condition. Yeah, that's life, girl. Stefan says, oh, what was he? A nebishy banker? Town butcher, perhaps? I don't know what nebishy means. I don't either. I've never heard that word before in my life. Let me Google it really quick. The definition of nebish is a person, especially a man, who is regarded as pitifully ineffectual, timid, or submissive. And they use the word they use the word in a sentence in the definition. And the sentence is he's a nebish. No money, no prestige, no future. <laughs> so kind of like a loser. I was gonna say this is equivalent to Stefan being like, oh. Hey, mom, was your boyfriend a cuck? Yeah, literally. (laughs) So I'm glad I Googled that. I'm glad to know uh, what that means. New word alert. Lily says, and she says this with like, this like almost pride, happiness in her eyes. She says, Julian was the man you are not supposed to fall for. So of course I did. If he's so much better than Giuseppe, why were you not supposed to fall for him, girl? What's the issue with him? Like, you know, there's an issue. We go back to the county fair in 1863. And we get our first glimpse of Julian. And he is working the kissing booth, even though I think he's like just a patron at this fair. It's two cents a kiss. He kisses a girl and he says, for the soldiers. Weird as I find this dude, I love his line delivery of this. Because he's, it's for the soldiers. I know he is. What accent are you doing? You have a British accent. He does something weird on that line. And the girlies are cheering. They are obsessed with this guy. And I'm like, is there someone else we're not seeing? Because what the fuck is this dude? Is there some guy behind him who's Julian? Who's this Hitler youth looking ass bitch? (laughs) I know. He says, have your tickets ready, ladies. The men on the battlefield need us. So we're going to look at his IMDb. Julian is played by an actor named Todd Lassence. Yeah, he looks like a fucking Todd Lassence. I'm so mean to this guy, but he, he looks weird to me. He does. It is interesting even his like photos on IMDb, he looks creepy. He's got a really small mouth. I think that's the issue. That's my issue. He's got really bright eyes too. Which I never trust. He does have a sort of Wes Maxfield air about him. Wes Maxfield meets John Gilbert, but fucks a lot of girls. Yeah, but it's like 70 John Gilbert, 30 Wes Maxfield. I agree. So he's from Australia. He's on NCIS Sydney. Oh, that's new. It is new. It's upcoming, actually. I just saw an ad for it today. That's why I know. It's the first time they're going down under, so the ads say. Oh, if they say so. I'm looking through his IMDb, and there's not much. Oh, he was in 
a mini series about Olivia Newton John oh. called Hopelessly Devoted to You. And he played someone named Lee Kramer. Sure. He was on The Flash on the CW, of course, where he played Edward Claris slash The Rival, whoever the hell that is. Well, he sounds like a villain. He was in a movie called How to Murder Your Wife, I bet. I bet he was the husband in that. Oh, he was in Spartacus, which was a TV show on Stars. I guess they did a Spartacus. He was Julius Caesar on that. Oh, good get. Good get. He's got the kind of creepy vibe of a Julius Caesar. Mm -hmm. He's been on a lot of stuff that I have not heard of. He was on 22 episodes of a show called Crownies. And it's got like a woman with like a justice scale on it. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's Australian. But he's been in a lot of stuff. Rescue Special Ops. The Great Mint Swindle. Yeah, that's got to be British. Underbelly Files. Tell them Lucifer was here. Oh, he was on a show. This must be like an Australian soap opera. Yeah, because it's still running. It's a show called Home and Away. He was on 482 episodes of it. Okay, so good for him. It chronicles the lives, loves, happiness, and heartbreaks of the residents of Summer Bay, a small coastal town just outside Sydney. So he does like procedurals, soap opera. So he's working for sure. I don't know him from any of it, but clearly he's booking. Yeah. So Julian looks out at the crowd and he sees Valerie talking to Stefan, which is what they were sent here to do. But for some reason, this irks him. She's having a little bit too much fun and he he does not seem to want any fun happening. That seems to be his his signature. Mm -hmm. She's like throwing candies for Stefan to catch in his mouth. A classic flirt move. Works like a charm for her. Yeah. She says, hold still. It'll be delicious, I promise. And they are laughing. Julian comes up and says, aren't we ladylike? Like, okay. Aren't we? (laughs) Weird reaction. Because that (laughs) is giving dad. I know. Valerie says, oh, Stefan, meet Julian. It is funny that Stefan assumes Julian is her dad because he doesn't seem like that much older to like be her father. Yeah, I was assuming this is her brother at first guess, you know. And she also introduces him as Julian, not my father. Yeah. So Stefan says, oh, your daughter and I were just appreciating the scientific wonder of gravitational force. And Julian says, how wise you must sound to less intelligent men. (laughs) On one level, kind of a gag, but on another level, he's 16. Yeah, like, I wouldn't call him a man yet. (laughs) And also, oh, wow, you bested a 16-year-old in a battle of wits. Oh. He seems deeply jealous of Stefan, which is weird. Yeah, super weird. Considering Lily doesn't even like him. Or does she? Possible to say. Valerie says, Julian's not my father. And Stefan says, oh, my apologies. I just assumed. And this also, I think, pisses Julian right off, but uh, Julian clocked. Yeah, Stefan says, oh, apologies. He's acting really weird then. Yeah. Because that was kind of dad behavior, and now he is just this dude here. Julian says, incorrectly, you assumed, as it turns out. Yeah, like, I got that. (laughs) How do you apologize? Julian says, Valerie, darling, a word. And he pulls her away, and she says, okay, you're wrinkling my dress. And he says, what are you doing? And she says, Lily sent us here to get a sense of his mood. And Julian says, exactly, not his manhood. It's like, she's just sitting there tossing jelly beans she's not jerking him off yeah (laughs) julian says remember his mother gave us very strict instructions to keep our distance do not displease her did she though because she clearly wanted them to have conversations you only have so much distance if you want them to talk valerie says i have everything under control in the present day valerie says i was lying 
She said, no, I, I didn't fuck with Julie and I wanted to hook up with this dude. She says, I was not prepared for how taken I was with him. He was gorgeous and sweet. In the Salvatore house, Caroline's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm dating him. Yeah, Caroline's like, I'm with you on that. I'm familiar. Caroline says, oh, and that's when you compelled him to write all those nice things about you in his journal. Spoiler, I've heard this story before about a little sweet orphan girl named Catherine Pierce. Wasn't compulsion there either, sweetie. Yeah, sorry, queen. (laughs) Valerie says, I suppose that would have been easier if I had the ability to compel people. I wasn't a vampire back then. Just a witch rejected from her coven for being an abomination of nature because I had no power of my own. And this is a question that this brought up for me. Because Lily said she got turned by someone in her TB ward. And I was like, oh, guess it was Valerie. But Valerie wasn't a vampire. So who turned Lily? I mean, I don't think it's important. I think they just never tell us. But weird. Weird that they had this disconnect. Well, they just wanted Valerie to be human so she could get pregnant for two seconds, I guess. Yeah, so she could get pregnant so Julian could kill her baby. We go back to the county fair in 1863. Valerie narrates, she says, the only magic I had was contained in an amulet to be siphoned in times of need. Stefan tells Valerie what's up with him. He says, you know, I have a brother who's away at war, a father who judges me for not joining him, and a mother who was strong and kind. She died when I was 10. She says, I'm so sorry. And he says, it was a long time ago. Yeah, because he's not trying to cry in front of this hot girl. Like, Yeah, he's like, I'm not talking about my mommy. He'll do that later, though. She says, you know, there's no shame in missing her. A man on the outside with the heart of a boy. There are worse things. He's a boy on the outside, too, girl. He's 16. He sees Julian and he says, you know, your chaperone is really persistent. And she says, oh, then let's elude him. Come. And he says, oh, what are you doing? She's walking. She grabs her necklace and siphons it. And says Invisiqua, because if these Gemini are going to do anything, it's Invisiqua. This amulet is the same thing as the Gilbert Rick. Keep it in a pocket. Why is it on your neck where someone can grab it? That's so true. Since she Invisiqua'd them, Julian walks by and doesn't see them at all. And Stefan says, well, how did he not see us? He walked right by us. And she says, would you believe me if I said magic? And he laughs, but also he's like, but, but no, I'm actually curious. No, but like, did what happened there? Wasn't that weird? He walked right by us. (laughs) We go back to the present in the Salvatore house. And Caroline says, and then? And Valerie says, none of your business. It's like, girl, you're telling me this story. Like, you clearly want me to hear it. Yeah, so then Caroline, all she has to do is make Valerie feel a little insecure to get the story continued. So she says, you know, I know why you put that burning spell on me. It's not so Mary Louise and Nora can't touch me. It's so Stefan wouldn't. Be more obvious. And Valerie says, well, since you're so curious, allow me to continue. It's like, Valerie, girl, just because you reacted that way doesn't mean that wasn't obvious. Like, she still got you. Yeah. We go back to 1863. Valerie and Stefan are just going into the woods. Okay. Stefan says, Julian's going to kill me. Valerie says, oh, compliment the whiteness of his teeth. He'll forget all about it. Ha ha ha. They start to kiss. Boo. I'm booing the screen. She starts to unbutton her dress. Stefan is kind of taken aback by this. So she says, oh, is something wrong? And he says, no, it's just that I've never, and you know, he means had sex before. And he says, do you mind if I, and she says, oh, no. And so he unbuttons her dress. Uh, They kiss. And this is like such a long fucking scene of these two hooking up. And I am booing. This is longer than like Delena scenes we've gotten. This is longer than literally any Delena hookup scene we've ever gotten. What is the matter? 
like I get we're doing this valley background, but when he's like, I've never, I'm like, do we really have to watch Stefan lose his fucking virginity right now? Like, is it that serious? Who pitched this? I just want to talk. And I get that we have to have a long scene to make them feel more in love because at the end of the day, they hooked up one time. Yeah. And they're trying to sell that she's his first love and I'm not buying that. Sorry, writers. But it's like, why am I watching this? I just want Stefan and Caroline to be together. I feel like I've been patient. I've been nice. I would rather watch fucking Enzo and Lily hook up. Literally. I'd rather have Tyler and Liv be one of the main couples on this show again. Yeah. So they have sex. Uh, So Valerie took his virginity. And we go to the present. And Valerie is so smug that she took Stefan's virginity. Which, like, again, not a hard thing to do, I, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, Stefan is a whore. He loves a bitch with curly hair. Curly had a pretty dress and he said, I'm in love with you. Yeah. It was simple then. Exactly. Also, let's not even, you know, not to psychoanalyze. She was wearing all white, which is how he pictures his mother. Mama, mommy issues. Yeah. I mean, all love to Valerie. This was a layup. Yeah. This didn't have that much to do with you. Valerie says it was his first time. We got that. Girl, I got it. She says, I'm sure you've been someone's first, but the gag is actually Caroline has not been someone's first if we look back because Matt hooked up with Elena first. Tyler was a whore. And (laughs) she also hooked up with Damon and Klaus. I mean, talk about a slut. Yeah, it's all sluts that she was hooking up with and Matt. So she says, so I'm sure you know what it's like to have a completely unforgettable place in someone else's mind. Girl, meet Catherine. I mean, he doesn't think of you as often as you think. Well, and the gag is like, Sure, Caroline didn't steal someone's virginity. She didn't need to take Klaus's virginity. She was living in his mind, rent-free. He was, like, paying her to live in his mind. like, (laughs) And without even really talking to him. Like, she talked to him, like, twice, and he was down terrible. And he was like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, okay. You're getting gagged by multiple people, Valerie. I I don't know how to break it to you. I do. You're getting gagged. You're getting gagged. Caroline says, of course I know what it's like to be someone's first. And Valerie says, that's what I thought. The way Valerie says it, it's like, like, oh, so you don't. So I won again. Yeah. Which you didn't. You didn't win the first time. You didn't win now. And you won't win again. And if I get my way, you're not going to win this time either, bitch. And I get my way. We go down to Myrtle Beach, where the gang has arrived. Rick loads a gun and says, okay, what's the plan? And Damon says, fair trade. One heretic in good condition in return for the coffin housing Elena. And Rick says, no, I meant, what's the plan where we try to capture a powerful heretic who'd prefer we were dead? And Damon says, easy. B-Town stuns him with magic. You shoot him with Vervain. I snap his neck. Well thought out plan. Pretty straightforward. You got all the steps. Bonnie says, after I get him to siphon away my visions. And Rick says, what? We're still talking about the visions? He's like, wait, uh, let's not bring that up. Bonnie says, well, the visions are magic. He's a siphon, so it's worth a shot, right? I love Bonnie said, let's put something in there for me, too, while we're here. I didn't come here for nothing. Yeah. Damon says, any other suggestions of how we can rid Bonnie of this mysterious pain she's in, Rick? And Rick shakes his head. We go to a hotel room. Damon knocks on the door and says, room service, free shrimp. And Oscar says, fuck yeah, I love this city. And Oscar comes running. (laughs) He answers, he says, you folks have the wrong room. And then he's like, oh, Damon Salvatore. And Damon says, you know me? Damon said, what the hell? And Oscar says, of course I know you. Good to see you're well, old friend. Come here, man. And he hugs him and says, come on in. So let's talk about Oscar. 
Oscar is played by an actor named Tim Kang. And Stephanie, you recognized him immediately. Yes. And it's been a while since I've gotten to say this. I recognize him from Criminal Minds. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to play my favorite game. Do you think on Criminal Minds, was he an unsub, a cop, or someone else? Okay. This is tricky because he's got the energy of an unexpected unsub, like like an incelly type unsub. So that was my first instinct. However, I did already open his IMDb credits. And at the very top, he was on 88 episodes of Magnum P.I. as a detective. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think maybe he was a cop, but I'm inclined to say unsub still. Okay. And you said incelly unsub. Yes. That is a very good guess because that's, he is, he's not an incel, but he is decidedly a sad sack. Yeah. He gives the sense of like sad sack unsub that like he has nothing going on in his life. So in his criminal minds episode where he's the unsub, he's kind of an unsub. He's like, he gets taken advantage of by the man who's fucking his wife. Oh. So then he puts poison on a bus because this guy killed his brother who was fucking the wife. The unsub's brother, not Oscar's brother. This is too complicated. What a web. All you need to know is he's a, he's a sad sack and kind of a cuck, but he does save his daughter at least. Well, Hotch saves his daughter. Um, He's there. So. Big week for the word cuck. Yeah, big week for the word cuck. But yeah, so it was very funny to see him in this where he's kind of a a party fun dude because to me, I'm like, oh, that's Charlie Senorak, the super sad sack unsub. Yeah, interesting. So that was fun for me. Great. And he was, so he was a detective on Magnum PI. He's on 88 episodes of that. What else has he been on? A series called Cloak and Dagger, which looks kind of Marvel-y, but I don't know that, so don't quote me. He was in the new A Wrinkle in Time movie. He was the school superintendent. He is in one episode of American Horror Story. Mm. It's American Horror Story Cult, one of the worst seasons. Oh, I don't think I finished one episode of that season. Yeah, he was in episode one. So you... <laughs> oh, okay. Then I didn't see him. He was there. He is on Criminal Minds. Absolutely. That's here. Mm-hmm. That checks out. <laughs> he was on 151 episodes of The Mentalist. Oh, wait. He is in that. I started watching The Mentalist. I knew I knew him from something else, but I connect him to Criminal Minds first. Yeah, and that's fair. He is also like a detective agent on The Mentalist as well. And also, you know where else you know him from? He was on one episode of The Office, the one where they make a local ad. He plays a character named Ko. Yeah, yeah. He is one of the ad guys who Michael Scott is like, fuck you, I'm making my own ad. And then, you know, the ad's ridiculous. Also, wow, this guy is on all these shows you've watched. Yeah, I mean, I I recognize him immediately. Like, I know this dude. It's interesting because there's also, he's been an agent and detective a lot. So it's even more interesting that he was an unsub. Yeah. He was also in the film Two Weeks Notice with Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. Great film. Played an attorney, I guess. And one episode of The Sopranos. I mean, that's pretty much it. But he's got long running stuff on a lot of stuff. Good for him. He's a pretty good actor. I mean, he he's a sad sack when he needs to be. He was fun in this. I mean, he moved up in my rankings pretty quick. Him and Nora. He's great in this. And I do think he's a good example of like, the heretics are such highs and lows. I feel like the tomb vampires were pretty much all lows. Yeah. So were the travelers. And the originals were all highs, but the heretics are kind of all over the place because they really hit it out of the park with Nora and Oscar. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of a dud. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar's like, 
He's fun. He's got an interesting relationship with Damon. He's got an interesting relationship with Lily and the other heretics. He gets a little bit of the enchanted baloney, but in like a cute, fun way. Like, he's a funny guy. I like him a lot in this. He's much more interesting to like think about in the family dynamic. It's a shame that Valerie's stupid ass kills him. Yeah, one of the duds has to kill one of the good ones. Great. What's Valerie going to do next? Kill Nora? Literally. Oscar says, you caught me in the middle of a 72-hour social gathering. Um, There's a ton of people on the bed, either asleep or dead. I'm guessing dead. Yeah. They don't move at all. (laughs) Yeah. He says, make yourself at home. And then he says to Rick, hey, friend with the Vervain gun, if you could holster that, I sure would feel a lot more comfortable. Because Rick is just holding the gun like in front of his chest. Like he's not even hiding it. Bonnie says, hey, how do you know Damon? And Oscar says, oh, he's Lily's son. And they're like, okay, we know he's Lily's son. How did Lily introduce you to him? She hates him. Oscar says, oh, he's the hero soldier. You know, we met at a bar near Gettysburg, July of 1863. Nothing? And Damon says, I go to a lot of bars. And Oscar says, right. Well, your mom was going through a rough patch. She could not move on until she knew her boys were okay. So she sent me out to find you. And Damon says, my mother abandoned her family and ran for the hills. She doesn't give a flying crap about me. Of course, Damon's not going to believe this. Yeah. Oscar says, I sense hostility, and that's fine. All emotions are valid and welcome here. But it's the truth. She just wanted to know you were happy, Damon. She loved you. How did this poor guy deal in the prison world? Because he's like, all emotions are valid. And I know everyone was fucking shitting on him. I bet he desiccated first. He said, you know what? I'll volunteer to desiccate first. said, you know what? I'm just going to chill out. There's no fucking alcohol here. There's no blood. I'll I'll be in the corner. You guys have fun. (laughs) He says, so can I get you guys anything? Cocktail? Joint? Jenny? Jenny's one of the potties on the bed. And Damon says, does my mom know you're here? And Oscar says, whoa, hey, hey, shush. Oscar said, well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> let's all keep it. Let's all keep it here. Because it is like, obviously, she didn't send you to Myrtle Beach, okay? Yeah, obviously, Lily, who has all of her heretics in a house drinking a couple drops of blood all day, didn't send you to Myrtle Beach to party all day. Yeah, because we know you're not her favorite. Yeah. We go out to the road. Lily is driving and Stefan is helping Lily learn how to drive because he's manipulating her. He's keeping her busy for the day. He says, okay, keep your car on this side of the road, girl. Lily says, you know, Valerie never told me about your romance. And he says, well, Valerie never told me you were alive. Yeah, he said, Valerie keeps a lot of secrets, I guess. Lily says, would it have mattered? And Stefan says, is that a real fucking question? (laughs) He's like, you're my mom. I know you don't give a shit, but I've been saying this. Lily says, Valerie told me you'd forgotten all about me. She said you had moved on. That was the only way I was able to move on as well. And Stefan says, my mother was practically ripped out of my arms and sent to a TB ward. You don't move on from that. You find distractions. Mm -hmm. We go back to 1863. We go back to more fucking Stefan and Valerie hooking up content. Enough. I got it. We had way enough in that last scene. And then Stefan says, come with me. I want to show you something. Can you imagine? You have sex with a boy, 16-year-old boy. You take his virginity. And the first place he takes you after is his mother's fucking grave. Valerie experienced this and she was like, I love him. It's like, I want to raise a family with that man. Clearly that man is not healed from his own family. She says, this is romantic. <laughs> and he says, this is my mother's grave. <laughs> Welcome. Also because, Valerie, if you're so in love with him, Be like, hey, here's the thing. 
She's not in there. You know what? I've formed a connection with you. I feel guilty knowing this and not telling you. You mom, she ain't dead. Your mom, alive. She actually sent me here. She is actually kind of my mom too. Uh, so we're going to ignore that kind of dynamic here. Yeah. He says, I come here every day to place flowers. She's been dead for six years, but I still try to make up for my failure. And Valerie says, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and he says, well, she had consumption. One day, her coughing would not stop. So my father sent me to go buy some flowers to make an herbal tonic. I ran to town as fast as I could. But by the time I got home with the flowers, she had been taken to the sanatorium. And my immediate reaction to this story is like, Giuseppe got you out of the house so he could sneak your mom to a sanatorium while you weren't there to stop him. Yeah, well, you weren't there to cry in his face. That is so deeply obvious to me at the first year of this story. Stefan read it differently. Yeah, obviously really fucked with his brain. Valerie says, oh, so what you're upset about is that you never got to say goodbye. And he says, no, something much more deep and serious. He says she died in the TB ward shortly after. I always wonder what would have happened if I'd just been able to run a little bit faster. The tonic would have helped her. She could have lived. This is just so funny, like just logistically. And I get thinking this at 10. If the tonic was really that much of a miracle cure and it was that dire, they would not have sent the 10-year-old to get it. Yeah. It would be one thing if you came back home and she was dead. But he sent her to like, a more serious hospital. Don't you think if it was a miracle tonic, the hospital would have given her some? That's so true. Don't you think they have cream violets? I know you're emotional about it, Stefan, and I know it's like hard to see through all that. But also like, I, you know, you're 16, that's still young. But you know, Giuseppe, you're getting out of the fog of that's your dad. Like you're learning that people are flawed. Well, I don't know. He's not really out of that fog yet. I guess that's true. Catherine really gets him out of that. He gets out of it because one of the big issues with him and Damon was Stefan was like, no, if we just talk to our dad, like he'll be okay that we're both dating this vampire. If we just explain to him that some vampires are good. Yeah. And then he shot them in the chest. So, (laughs) yeah, I get that Stefan doesn't see Giuseppe for that yet. It is. But it is like, oh, Stefan, this is dark. You need to work through this. And also what's even more dark about this. He says he goes there every day to place flowers. Valerie picks up the flowers. So not only does he feel so guilty about this, he brings the flowers he was supposed to bring to the tonic to her grave every day. That is, that is dark. For six years. Yeah, that's, that's not moved on even a little bit. Yeah. Valerie says, oh, are these the kind of flowers that, you know, they sent you to get? And he says, yeah. And they both say like, oh, cream violets. And she says, the tonic wouldn't have saved her. And he says, well, that's really nice of you to say, but you can't, you don't know that. You're a woman. He's, he's like, you can't possibly know that. And she's like, I know how fucking consumption works. I worked in a DB ward. Like, She says, no, I actually can be certain. I worked in a sanatorium caring for patients like your mother. And in fact, your own mother. Yeah, in fact, exactly like your mother. Yeah. Uh, she says, cream violets have no medicinal properties. It's an old wives tale. Your father sent you on a fool's errand. You were only 10. He probably wanted you out of the house to make it easier for himself. No matter what, you couldn't have saved your mother. Her death is not your fault. It's very nice of her to say this to him. And this is at least enough for me to be like, yeah, maybe this encounter stuck with him because it got him past this guilt. Sure. Doesn't make it 
your first love, but whatever. Exactly. And it is also crazy because she could even say, like, your mother's death is definitely not your fault. She didn't die. She's alive. Yeah, it can't be your fault because she lived through it. Then here comes Julian. He says, time to say goodbye. I expected you would visit here sooner or later. Stefan says, sir, if you would just let me explain. Stefan, what are you going to say? She just took my virginity. We're in love. Yeah. What's the explanation? You know, this guy is somehow related to her. It's not her dad, but it's weirdly protective of her. So it's kind of giving creepy husband at best. Yeah. Julian says we are leaving for New York now. And Valerie says, I didn't mean to disobey you. And Julian says, well, it was not me who you disobeyed. Come with me now and we will speak no more of it. The carriage awaits. And Stefan says, when will I see you again? Looks like never, King. Yeah. Valerie says, I'll find my way back to you. I promise. She goes with Julian. We go over to the Salvatore house. And Caroline says, so it's kind of like the notebook, except you two never reconnect and he totally forgets about you. Gagged again. And and that's pain for Valerie. (laughs) Valerie says, Julian was in a hurry to get to Europe. He convinced me to lie to Lily, tell her Stefan was happy. Believe me, Julian had a way of convincing anyone to do anything. Beating your ass. Yeah. (laughs) We go back to Myrtle Beach. Oscar is just laying on the floor. And Rick says, so why did Lily send you here? And Oscar says, well, she didn't send me here exactly. She had a job and I volunteered. She has the family on a short leash back home with this whole, you know, I took you in as orphans, so I know what's best for you vibe. No, thanks. And then he says, did you know you can get a drink served to you in a fishbowl here? And just the other day, I called a number on this card. And just like that, I had a girlfriend. And Bonnie said, yeah, that's an escort service. And Oscar says, well, you know, she really got who I am. It was a really beautiful human experience. And that's what I've discovered here. Freedom. The bad trip inside that prison world has ended, my friends. And I'm breathing in what my soul was craving. F-R-E-E-Dumb. He's having fun. I mean... I'm sure he was sick of being in that prison world. You're in 1903 for years, and then you come out and there's a fishbowl drink in front of you? Yeah, I wouldn't leave Florida either. Myrtle Beach is in South Carolina. Oh. Oops. (laughs) How am I supposed to know that? I know. I was wondering how they got to Florida so fast. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Bonnie says, well, great segue, in the spirit of helping others with their freedom, I have a favor to ask of you as a siphoner. Oscar is confused by that. So Damon says, let me translate. My friends were playing with some mystical tool they didn't quite understand. And now Bonnie's chasing her own white rabbit around the farm. And Oscar says, oh, so you want me to, what, siphon her problems away? And Damon says, yeah, just think of it as one big magical toke. Okay. Classic. And Oscar says, well, I don't really like to mix mediums, if you know what I mean. And Damon (laughs) says, siphon the damn visions. And Oscar says, damn, fine. (laughs) Damon says we won't tell Lily we saw you avoiding whatever mission you were sent to do and we'll call it a day and Oscar says okay come on Oscar says that's a good deal to me yeah I'll take it he siphons Bonnie's head and we see the visions you know the scars the screaming and Oscar lets go and he says where's the phoenix stone and they all say what's that and what and Bonnie says how do you know about the phoenix stone and Oscar says how do you know about the phoenix stone What are you people up to? Rick points the gun at Oscar, but Oscar does some magic to essentially like knock out Rick, knock out Bonnie, and then he snaps Damon's neck and runs. He kind of chokes them all. Yeah. In the way we've seen. They all come to a little bit later. And Damon says, good news, your visions are gone. Bad news, so is Oscar. And Rick says, oh my God, he took the stone. 
And Bonnie says, um. Bonnie says, now how's that possible? She says, how did he take the stone when you destroyed it, Rick? And Rick says, well, I think we all know I didn't. Yeah. Rick says, well, I think it's pretty clear what's happening. Yeah. Don't make me say it. Rick says, we need to find him right now. Bonnie says, did you know he still had it? And Damon says, come on. I mean, kind of. Rick, tell her what happened. And Bonnie says, no, I'm asking you. Bonnie said, we're literally best friends and you keep doing this shit to me. Damon says, well, that's also my best friend. Uh, I live with the guy. Guys know stuff. And Bonnie says, you lied to me. And Damon says, no, Rick lied to you. I just kept my mouth shut. And he realizes he doesn't blame himself. And he says, you know what? Wait, I'm not going to be stuck in the middle of this. You two sort this out. I'm going to go find a bargaining chip. And he leaves and gets right out of there. He said, look, you know what? Should I have told you? Sure. Didn't want to betray either of you. I'm in the middle. And we got to go find this guy. It's clear you guys are focusing on this. So you guys deal. I have to focus on me. I got to put me first. (laughs) Bonnie says, oh, so the visions, the lost time, the crippling headaches, that doesn't matter to you? And Rick says, well, they do matter, but bringing Joe back matters more. Sorry. At least he's honest. And Bonnie says, you don't know what this stone does or if it'll even work. And Rick says, well, here's the thing. I was dead. I was gone. And so were you, Bonnie. And we both came back. We got second chances. And she says, we were on the other side, which doesn't exist anymore. And he says, look, Joe was the love of my life. If there is even a 1% chance this could work, I need to take it. No matter how dangerous or insane it may be, if I don't, I'm going to spend the rest of my life wishing I had stayed dead. And Bonnie's like, I guess. We go back out to the car where Lily's driving and Stefan says, you know, keep your eyes on the road. Make a left here. It'll take us back to town. And Lily says, well, is there anything else you'd like to know? And Stefan says, nope, doesn't matter. Obviously, it was all a lie, so... And Lily says, what do you mean? And Stefan says, well, Valerie was using me. Mm -hmm. And Lily says, no, Valerie wouldn't have hurt you because that would have inadvertently hurt me as well. It's about me. It's actually always about me, first and foremost. Stefan says, did it ever occur to you that maybe Valerie doesn't give a crap about you or anyone else? Lily says, no, I don't believe that. Lily says, that doesn't make any sense because it's me. And I saved these people and brought a wonderful father figure in their life who didn't hurt them ever. Yeah. Stefan says, no. How about the part where she sent me a telegram saying she was coming back? And Lily says, she what? Lily said, that fucking whore. So she lied to both of them, Valerie. She was lying, lying. Mm-hmm. She had her reasons. We go back to 1863. Stefan reads the telegram. He narrates, you know, she'd been gone a few months. And then Valerie narrates the telegram. I promised I'd find my way back to you. I long to be in your arms again. And she's reading that to Caroline at the Salvatore house because he saved it in his journal. Mm -hmm. And Stefan narrates and said, she wanted to run away with me. Her telegram said to meet her Friday at noon. I showed up two hours early. And we see him sitting on a bench with a bouquet. Mm -hmm. And Valerie narrates, he waited and waited for me. With every passing footstep, he would turn expecting to see me. Stefan narrates, I sat around all day like an idiot past sundown after nightfall, but she never showed up. So, yeah, you could say I'm wondering what the hell the whole point was. In the car, Lily says, surely you're not so angry at her. And he says it was 150 years ago, which is not no. Yeah, that's like, yeah, I'm pissed. I got stood up at 16. 
I definitely lost my virginity. I took that pretty personally. I thought I had a girlfriend. I have massive abandonment issues that started with you, by the way. <laughs> and then you exacerbated with one of your little friends. So yeah, I'm mad. At the Salvador house, Valerie says eventually he accepted he'd been abandoned all over again. And then he walked home under the cold and distant stars. She's been summarizing from the journal. That's why it's so poetic. Mm -hmm. Caroline says, how could you do that to him? You know, something goes on in Valerie's mind, obviously. And she says, there was a change of plan. But I'm done talking to you about this. And then she goes, but she does. We can see her reminisce. Mm -hmm. And so we go back to 1863. Valerie is walking down an alley by the docks. There's seagulls. And it's sunrise. Julian catches her because he is in her business if he's anywhere. And he says, slipping away before sunrise on the very day our ship leaves for England. She's like, yeah, I don't want to be on the ship. Duh. Valerie says, so let me pass because the thing is I'm not going. And Julian says, yes, you are, because Lily will not travel anywhere without her precious little orphans. And it is imperative that I leave today. Why does Julian want to get to Europe so bad? Probably because someone wants to kill his ass. Because he's annoying as hell. He's been rude to everybody. Like, he doesn't fuck with these orphans, which, like, I don't fuck with them either, but I'm not their dad. Yeah. So, yeah, he's running away from something. Sure. And then he says, do I frighten you? And she says, no. And he says, because I can hear your heart beating faster. Actually, both of your hearts. And I was sitting here like, siphons have two hearts? I know. <laughs> but he clarifies. He says, does Stefan Salvatore know that you are pregnant with his child? How would he know that, Julian? She's like, well, I was going to go tell him that. We go back to Myrtle Beach. Damon catches up to Oscar and says, so I lied. I do remember you. I was fighting for the South. You know, it's not exactly a time I like to reminisce about in front of my friends. And Oscar says, yeah, you had the same opinion back then. Hated everything your side believed in. You wanted to desert, but feared shaming your old man. They love to say, yes, he was in the Confederacy, but he didn't support it. Yeah, like, he was on that side, but he hated it. He got forced into it. Whereas Twilight, they said he actually loved that shit. He was a Confederate soldier. No asterisk. <laughs> Damon says, you compelled me to take sick leave. Next day, my entire regiment was slaughtered at Gettysburg. You saved my life. Oscar says, yeah, I couldn't compel you back then. All I did was talk to you from one human to another. These two were so easy to manipulate when they were young. They were like, you compelled me. You got got. You got got. You got talked to. Yeah. Oscar says, I told you to follow your heart. Now it's my turn to desert. I don't want to be a part of Lily's cavalry, okay? Finally, someone with a reasonable response to the way Lily's living. I can't blame him for this. He says, I don't want rules or a chain of command. I just want to have fun. And also, here's a little extra piece of advice. A lot of people want the Phoenix Stone. Mess with it, you end up dead. And Damon says, full disclosure, I don't give a fuck about the stone. He's like, that stone has nothing to do with me. That's my best friend's issue. And Oscar says, then why are you chasing me, man? Damon says, let's just say I'd like to cash you in for something way better. Elena. Mm -hmm. Damon stakes Oscar in the stomach and beats him up. Oscar does do a spell to push Damon into the ceiling and grabs the stake and gets ready to stake Damon. Um, or he does stake Damon, just not in the heart. But then Bonnie comes in, does her little aneurysm spell on Oscar. Rick comes in, shoots him with ravain darts, and Damon snaps his neck. They got their plan. I will say this about the heretics. 
they're stupid, but they give us some fun fight scenes. When we see Damon go up into the ceiling, that's dope. They're good fighters. It is fun. And also, this is the Damon, Bonnie, Rick trio. Great fun trio. Solid trio. Love it. Because, you know, they had kind of done Elena, Damon, Rick trios before. But I think Bonnie's a better stand-in in the trio because she's a little more ruthless. Yeah. And she offers something in combat that none of them offer. They each offer something different to the team. Yeah. Because Elena was a good fighter, but at the end of the day, she was another vampire fighter. Yeah. Bonnie grabs the Phoenix Stone from Oscar's body and gives it to Rick and says, never lie to me again. And Damon says, aw, my besties are buds again. Okay, let's go make a deal. We go over to the Salvatore house. Lily comes to Caroline's room and she says, oh, is Valerie here? And Caroline says, I heard her leave the house. I guess torture makes her hungry. Lily says, forgive me for prying, but I heard your mother died this past spring. Lily, how do you think this conversation is useful? Yeah, how is this your business? Caroline says, I just spent the day reliving Stefan's first time. I really don't feel like talking about my dead mother with my hostage taker, but thanks. She said, big pass, big pass. Lily says, I was simply curious about one's ability to heal after such a loss. Caroline says, well, you must have had a mother. Even Mussolini had a mother. And Lily says, of course I had a mother. And Caroline says, then you know that that love is different than any other kind of love. She says, you know, Stefan wrote about you all the time. You can read for yourself. Here. He loved you. He missed you. She gives Lily the journal to read. The journal that Lily could have read at any point in the prison world, but I guess she just never really gave a fuck. And also, no regard for the fact that this is Stefan's diary. We're just passing it around. Everyone gets a chance to read the diary. Well, particularly, not only is it Stefan's diary, it's the diary where he lost his virginity. and You're giving it to his mom? Yeah. Everyone's just reading that? It's just like a book to them. Lily looks at the journal, and let me just say, Annie Wershing acting her little booty off. What a face journey she does here. She's talented. I mean, she's doing a great job with this character who is just written in consistently. Does she give a fuck about her sons or not? Annie Wershing, I mean, she's acting the script she's given. Yes. She's like, sure, I love them now. Okay, I can I can do that. She's acting. Lily says, Nora, remove the barrier spell, please. As of this moment, Miss Forbes is no longer a prisoner. And we still don't see Nora. She just shouts that out the door and Nora doesn't even respond. Yes, she just does it outside of the room. They did not want to pay this actress for this episode. <laughs> they said, guys, stop standing her so hard. We need to give you a break. You need to start standing Valerie because we've already put all our eggs in the Valerie basket. We wrote a lot of stuff about Valerie and you guys are not responding to her at all. Yeah. It's concerning. Caroline says, is this one of those mean girl tricks? And Lily says, no, it's a reward for Stefan's honesty. Go before I change my mind. Mind you, Stefan lied a bunch today. Caroline says, you know, I don't know what made your heart grow four sizes today, but thanks. And she vampire runs away. Mm -hmm. We get a quick shot in 1863 of Stefan on the bench where he was waiting for Valerie. And we transition to the present day. Stefan is on the same bench. And since they don't trust us to figure out that it's the same bench, someone has put a plaque in that says former site of Mystic Falls Fairgrounds. Okay. Even if it is the former site of the fairgrounds, the high school didn't build a new bench. They kept this one single bench. Like, just put him on a different bench. It doesn't need to be the same bench. We don't care. It being the same bench means nothing to anyone except Stefan. 
and Valerie. But Valerie doesn't even know what bench it is. She didn't go there. But she told him to meet him there. I guess. She gave him the location. Sure, sure, but like... And she goes there to think. But either way, the exact bench matters to two fictional characters who are not members of the audience. It could be any bench she sits on. And also, they could just say it's the same bench, and I'll believe them. Yeah. I don't need the plaque. Valerie approaches and sits down next to Stefan. And he doesn't really react to her. And why that is becomes clear in a moment. Yeah. She says, you know, in the prison world before we desiccated, I came here every day to think. I can see that sometimes you still do as well. That's a comfort. It's strange to be here with you, finally able to tell you the truth. Then we go back to the docks in 1863. And Valerie says to Julian, you know, please do not tell Lily that I'm having her son's child. And Julian says, well, you have your reasons for staying here, and I have mine for leaving. Whatever will we do? And I'll tell you whatever we will do. Uh, He beats her ass up. Yeah, he beats up the young pregnant girl. Awesome move. That guy's definitely one of the good ones. And he also pulls off her amulet that she siphons, it's worth noting. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, kicks her, like, straight in the stomach, essentially. I mean, it's pretty clear what the aim is here. Yeah, it, it's as close to murdering a baby as you can get in 1863. You have enough knowledge of babies to know where they are, so let's let's go there, I guess, with the foot. Yeah. In the present, uh, Valerie says, you know, Julian solved his dilemma by beating me senseless until I was left near dead, and the other heartbeat inside of me stopped. And then we go back to 1863 to the hospital in the boat. Mm-hmm. We've been here before when Enzo was dying. <laughs> this is a different boat. Never mind. Yeah. Um, we've been in a similar boat. Yeah. We've been in boat hospitals before. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> Valerie narrates, when I regained consciousness, I was on the ship to England. Lily said Julian had found me robbed and beaten on the street. She believed him, of course, and she healed me with her blood. Julian knew I could never tell Lily what he had done because that would also have exposed my lies. And while technically I understand this is true, your lies are so much lower stakes. Yeah, I think exposing him for, you know, murdering her potential grandchild. I know Lily will not be happy if she hears that Valerie hooked up with her son, but what did she expect? She sent a young hot girl to a young hot boy. Yeah. And I get that she would be upset if Valerie was like, oh, actually, he wasn't over your death. He was upset. But it's been like two days. They could turn the boat around at that point. Well, also, like, it's worth sharing with with her that Julian wanted her to lie. Like, he told me to tell you that Stefan was happy. I trust him. If that is something that I shouldn't be doing, let me know. And maybe she will believe Julian. But then you're in the same position you already are in. So I don't know what to tell you. We see in the boat hospital, Lillian julian kiss and she's like thank you for saving her valerie narrates she never would have forgiven me for having an affair with her son i don't know that affair is the right word yeah affairs a big swing and i think she would have forgiven you but i guess you know you can't know that yeah she says i didn't want to live under julian's thumb so that night as we crossed the atlantic i drew myself a bath laced my tea with laudanum and went quietly to sleep we see her in the bathtub she says but I died with Lily's blood in my system, and by virtue of pure happenstance, I became the first heretic. She gasps awake. So Valerie was the first heretic. Malcolm, I don't know why she called him her eldest. Unclear what made him the eldest, because we know Oscar was there on the boat. I guess he wasn't a heretic then. 
And I guess it makes sense, you know, that this had to happen accidentally because I'm sure they assumed that siphons counted as witches and couldn't become vampires. Yeah, that makes sense. And poor Valerie just wanted to kill herself. We go to the present on the bench and Valerie says, you don't know how sorry I am about everything. Stefan turns and we see Valerie's not there. He gets up and goes, but we see she's still there. So she was invisiquated this whole time. So she was just talking silently. Mm-hmm. And she says, maybe you never will. I mean, you can choose to tell him the truth anytime, Queen. Yeah. Now that he knows you're here, I think you're going to have to talk to each other eventually. I, I would drop that bomb on Lily first, but it's me. Yeah. We go over to Rick's apartment. Bonnie and Rick are reading books. And Bonnie says, so what does a rock that makes you see screaming people have to do with reincarnation? Great question. Human sacrifice. I already said it. (laughs) (laughs) Rick says, I don't know, but I've read that book already cover to cover. It's a waste of time. In fact, all of these are a waste of time. They talk about resurrection, the phoenix rising from the ashes, but nothing about a stone that brings people back from the dead. Bonnie turns the page. That's an Egyptian-like drawing. Mm -hmm. And she says, are you sure you understand what you're trying to do? It's not like Joe's spirit is behind a veil that we lift and she magically appears. This is necromancy. I'm sure we'll be using that term again. A new vocab word for us. Yeah. We go over to the morgue, Rick's favorite place. He decided to bring a friend this time, which is yeah. weirder than going alone somehow. The corner guy's like, oh, you have friends? Why are you doing this? So you just hang out here? <laughs> like, so you're just going to be here all the time while I'm trying to work. Awesome. Rick says, you know, the hospital can only preserve the body for a set amount of time. I've been paying off the tech to fake the logs. Uh, He opens up the fridge and pulls Joe out. Clearly, they didn't want to pay the actress for this episode because we don't see her. (laughs) Bonnie's like, damn, I'm just looking at her dead body. Thanks for this. Yeah. Rick says, Joe is still in there. She has to be. I know what I'm getting myself into. I just can't do it alone. Bonnie looks at, you know, the wedding ring that is on Joe's finger or the engagement ring, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Rick says, at least tell me you'll try. And Bonnie says, I'll try. Because how are you going to say no to the dead body of his wife? I mean. Which he knew. Yeah. He said, say no to this, bitch. We go over to the Salvatore house. Lily gets a call from Damon. And he says, you should have come yourself. And she says, you know, it's been a long day. I really don't have energy for your riddles, Damon. And he says, Gettysburg. 1863. You sent Oscar to check on me. Had to have been you. It changed the entire course of my life. And she says, well, I was supposed to be dead. So that's why I didn't come. And he says, well, I was supposed to be your son. And she said, well, I don't care about that. Or maybe I do. Who can say? It's a secret. (laughs) Even to me. (laughs) She says, oh, I guess I should ask you this. How do you know this? Said, Oh, so what made you suddenly remember Oscar? Damon says, your prodigal heretic was fear and loathing in the armpit of Myrtle Beach. But don't worry, he's in the middle of a vervain detox. Give me Elena, maybe I won't kill him. And Lily says, you will not lay a hand on another member of my family. And he says, you know, this whole family thing really irked me at first. But now I get it. You loved me. Time passed. You moved on to a new family. So did I. And he looks at Rick and Bonnie, which is a very sweet moment. And he says, so why don't we end this mutual disdain once and for all? Give me Elena, you get your son back. And he hangs up. Good job. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Unfortunately, there are other factors that may influence. Unfortunately, 
Don't just leave the random dude alone in a room. Yeah. Maybe get someone to sit with him. And he's a fun guy. How hard can it be? Yeah. We go over to the Lockwood house. Stefan is having, you know, an evening drink. And Caroline walks in. And he says, Caroline. And then he touches her, but he burns his hand. Because her skin is silver vein. He says, how did you escape? And she says, I didn't. Lily let me go. I guess today is just full of Valerie-sized surprises, huh? And he said, oh, you know about that? Yeah. He says, look, I was a kid when I met her. Just a troubled boy mourning his dead mom. I was young and human. And then Caroline says, well, I was young and human when you and I met. And I remember the exact moment when I first saw you. Do you remember the first time you ever saw me? And then she says, I'm sorry, that was totally unfair. Forget I asked. I mean, you were sitting next to Elena. So, of course, you only had eyes for her. And also, I think it's fair that she's accepting this is the circumstance. Because it wasn't that he only had eyes for Elena. It was that Elena looked like Catherine. Like, yeah, no shot. When he also, like, had already seen Elena, he saved her from a car wreck. Like, he was on the hunt for her, literally. He was zeroed in. Yeah. He says things have changed, different circumstances, different results. And she says, okay, here's a different circumstance. Valerie's out of the prison world. Does that change anything for you? And he says, of course not. And she says, you don't wonder what would have happened if Valerie would have shown up to meet you? And he says, I don't wonder anymore. I don't care about the past. All I care about is that you're here and safe. You're with me. She tries to hold his hand, but it sizzles. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet moment. They give each other a look that's like, we would be kissing if if we could. But say la vie. It's like we're telepathically kissing right now. Mm-hmm. We go to the Whitmore Hospital. Oscar is, you know, hooked up to Vervain there. And he comes to and Valerie is there. She says, oh, you're awake. And he says, yeah, I'm awake and I'm coming down hard. Where the hell am I? And she says, you're in a college town near Mystic Falls. And he says, great, awesome. Did Lily send you? And she says, no, Lily has no idea where you are. I used a locator spell. And he says, okay, maybe I can turn this thing around before she gets in the loop. And Valerie says, so have you done your duty to the family and found Julian yet? So this is the errand he has been on is looking for Julian, we find out. And he says, can you keep a secret? And she says, boy, can I? (laughs) And Oscar says, I found him months ago. And Valerie says, and you didn't tell Lily. And he says, well, I didn't tell anyone. I wanted to live a little before I came back. And she says, and now that you're back? And he says, you know, I don't know, Valerie. I haven't exactly thought it through from my hostage bed here. And she says, well, I know you, Oscar. Eventually, you'll leverage Julian's location for your freedom from Lily. And he says, oh, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think I'll do that. He said, actually, you kind of slayed with that one, Valerie. Thanks, girl. Thanks, girly. That's my new plan. She says, you have a sweet soul, Oscar. And you've been good to me, like a brother. But then she reaches in and grabs his heart and says, but Julian is the devil and I can't let you bring him back. She pulls out his heart and kills him. Saw this one coming from a mile away. Yeah. So this is where we end the episode. So let's talk about, you made a comment watching the episode. She says, Julian is the devil. I can't let Lily bring him back. What do you read into that? Uh, I think this is why Lily wants the Phoenix Stone. I think it's bringing him back from the dead. That's pretty clear to me. I mean, we also know that Julian was not in the prison world, just by sheer numbers. When slash how was Julian killed, do you think? And do you think Julian will be coming back? I think Julian was potentially either killed 
by the Gemini as a result of, you know, them going into the prison world. Maybe he got killed on the way in trying to fight back. I also think there's a possibility and my money's on Valerie that one of the heretics killed him. Sure. Because I doubt Valerie was the only one who had issues with him because he seems to be pretty distinctly evil. Yeah. And they all seem attached to Lily. So I think there's a chance that either that one of the heretics accidentally killed him with this newfound heretic power. Sure. You know, we saw Kai struggle with increased power when he became the leader of the Gemini Coven. Or I think there is a possibility that it was a choice to kill him and get him out of their lives. And they chose to keep that from Lily. Fair enough. Do you think he's coming back? Yes, I do. Because I think he's going to be kind of the more evil one. Sure. Another reason why I think the Phoenix Stone and Julian are connected to Lily is that she tried to get Enzo to go look for the Phoenix Stone and decidedly did not tell him it was for her boyfriend. Yeah. Because Enzo would have said, no, I'm your boyfriend, bitch. (laughs) With Oscar dead, we're in a bit of a conundrum because Damon made a pretty clear plan to trade Oscar for Elena. How does Damon trade Oscar for Elena with Oscar dead? Well, I think this also depends on how this news gets to Lily because obviously Damon was out here threatening Oscar. The clear train of thought is Damon killed Oscar. Yeah. So, you know, I think Damon could potentially get Elena back before that news gets to her. But then Lily's just going to do something else as soon as she figures out Oscar's dead. Well, how is he going to stop that news from getting to her? Because the plan he made was, I will give you Oscar for Elena. He has to give to get. No, he says, you give me Elena first. Or he'll say, like, this is where Oscar is. You tell me where Elena is. We'll each go. And then maybe they find a better way to spell Elena somewhere this time. Okay. Can I um ask you a question? Sure. Is there any way they could resuscitate Oscar? Oh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Did you think maybe they maybe have a stone that could resuscitate people? I don't think they'd waste the stone on him. Do you think you can only use it once? I think from what we saw, I think it needs to be connected to the person. Although I guess maybe they connect it to him. And then as soon as he walks a little further, they just say, okay, give me that back. Yeah, I'm going to need that. (laughs) But do you think his first line of defense will just be trying to give him back to Lily dead? Just essentially weekend at Bernie'sing him? I I think more like he's in this location. Go get him. What? He's dead? Crazy. None of that will work. Lily's going to be pissed about this. Because also, it's not like Damon's going to be able to solve that Valerie killed him. I don't think that's, I don't think he has the information to get that. I don't think any of them do. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think anyone will be able to trace his death back to Valerie? I don't think so. I think it's going to be very easy to blame this on Damon because Damon straight up said he had him hostage and he killed the last heretic. So yeah, like it's, it's looking bad in terms of, you know, you getting blamed for that. Got to give it to Valerie. Pretty smart. Yeah, pretty smart. She was like, I can kill any heretic I want. Because everyone's going to blame these other people. Now's the time. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.